1: have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha, and thank you again for uh, joining us today on the believer's journey. I'm so glad you're here with us. I want to say thank you for supporting us, for all that everybody does uh, for our ministry, and I want to say thank you for our sponsors, and, and uh, I'm just so happy that uh, you do put, uh, sponsor us and help us. It's only the way we keep going. Um, I want to mention, uh, well, today we have a really interesting discussion and, and talk. A person, uh, actually we go to church, gone to church together for years. Nice. His name is Mandy Majors. Our topic today is on protecting kids and strengthening families through open communication. Now, one of the things I want to tell you about this ministry, um, The Believer's Journey, we're all about changing lives. It's really what it's about. A lot of people, uh, we reach out to the people who are struggling in their walk with with Christ. We're struggling uh, with the ability to read scripture or even understand it. So we're all about changing lives so that we can walk in a closer and better relationship with Jesus. So in that and being said, my guest today has a ministry that basically helps every parent in the world uh, to do this. And it's, it's totally amazing. I've read through her her uh, information, her website. I've scanned it through and read it through like you wouldn't believe because I got so interested, interested and fascinated with it. Uh, It just blew me away. Anyway, I want to introduce you, Mandy Majors.
2: Thank you for having me on, Alan. I appreciate it.
1: And Mandy is the uh, founder and executive director of the ministry called Next Talk. Okay. Next Talk is, uh, it started in a church um, with a group of parents who were overwhelmed with new challenges of like cyber. um... Social media. Uh, Yeah. All the things right.
2: digitally related.
1: Exactly. But the parenting of all of this became difficult. And uh, even though I'm old and <laughs> children are not in my home, I attend and live with and stay with uh, a lot of people, especially missionaries in the Middle East, not Middle East, I'm sorry, the East, uh, Eastern Europe who have children and they struggle with this. So I'm very aware and... Um, my wife had just come home visiting her grandchildren, and she was talking about how her five four four year old child came home with dirty words that she has. Their parents have no idea where they she got them, and this is a phenomenon. This is a, a d- dilemma that we all face. Um, I want to read something here. It's really interesting. Now, next talk is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. so um, this is really cool. Um, in the state of Texas and is also all about protecting kids online and strengthening families through open communication and is creating a culture of honest conversation in our community to impact our world. Mandy is the author of two award-winning books, award-winning. Now I have (laughs) her books right here. I don't know if you can see them, Um, but you know, one is called talk a practical approach to cyber parenting. And open communication, and keeping kids safe in a digital world—a solution that works. So we have two amazing books, and I have two signed copies. Yes, so this is cool. <laughs> and um, so I want to—I want to read something that I got off your website. Actually, you, when we talked a month ago or whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, you told me your story, and I just thought it was amazing. And I read your story on your website. By the way, if you. Um, I want to make sure you go to her website. It's nexttalk.org, dot org, and uh, you will be able to see it on our screen as it comes up just right now on our on our banner. So, um, but you want to go there and uh, look through this website. It's it's just amazing. But you tell your story. So I want to read this, and then I want you to talk about everything you have to do with Next Talk. Okay? Sure. But obviously, this is your 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 board. Okay. Yep. Nine years ago, my daughter asked a highly sexualized question. I didn't know this thing existed until I was 19 years old and a college student. She was nine and into fourth grade. She did not have a phone, and it was my light bulb moment that parenting had changed. I felt hopeless and found myself asking, why do our kids have to grow up so fast? My husband and I embarked on a journey to find a real solution to this new problem. We quickly learned that denying technology or moving to a remote island was not realistic. That was an actual discussion. (laughs) Let's just get out of here. This world is crazy. (laughs) Oh, I think we've all felt that. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about Next Talk. Talk about the problems in parenting, especially in the world we have today.
2: Well, you know, I think, you know, that was nine years ago. That nine-year-old daughter is now 18 and she's graduating high school. So I've been in this a while. Um, But in that moment, if I go back to fourth grade when she was exposed to pornography without a phone, um, you know, I, I was so frustrated that the kids had to grow up in a world so sexualized so fast. And my solution back then was we're just not going to give her a phone and we don't have to worry about those things. And when I realized that didn't work, it was almost like, uh oh, what am I going to do? And that's really kind of what started the ministry. We didn't start out to say a ministry or whatever. I I went to my women's pastor at the time. Her name was Martha Fisher at Community Bible Church. Oh, well. <laughs> yes, the greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest women, right? Uh just a faithful woman of, of God. And I went to her, kind of explained to her what was happening, and I said, you know, I, I feel like we need to find a solution to this because our kids are being overexposed. In elementary school now, I mean, we're talking young ages. They're asking adult questions. And how do I respond in age appropriate words without overexposing them? But also, you know, getting in there and answering their questions and pointing them to Jesus and digging in the word to see what God's word says about everything. And so I went to Martha and I said, you know, I'd like to start a mom's group. I I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. We're just going to right now share stories. And so that's what we did. It started over in the Sea Hall wing, a, a community Bible, 20 women. Within three semesters, it was about 200 women. Child care was maxed out. We were on a wait list. Um, and we did that, and then all of a sudden, they were like, "You know what? This needs to be outside the walls of our church. Like everybody needs to hear what you're saying. But through all of that, you know, I was learning from women, I, other moms who were having similar stories about their kids' exposure or these huge questions that their little kids were asking them. And so I was digging in everywhere for a solution, like reading parenting books, and there's so many great parenting resources out there, but I couldn't find anything that was dealing with the overexposure and then how to talk to kids on a in a biblical you know viewpoint and I was really struggling with all of that um and that's when God just zapped me in the middle of teaching this class and Learning from all the women. One day I was reading scripture and it was Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. Read it so many times before, but this day was different. It clicked like it had never clicked before. You know, like that Holy Spirit, you read scripture, you read scripture, but then the Holy Spirit moment, it was that. And, you know, it's, we all know that verse. It says, teach your kids these commands I'm giving you. Talk when you're on the go, when you're at home, when you're getting up, and when you're going to bed. So what I saw there were four key times to talk with our kids. And I literally started crying when it said talk on the go, because I was like, oh my gosh, this is the solution I've been looking for. I had realized early on, Uh, in the journey that my kids actually would ask the awkward questions or so-and-so showed me this from their phone or so-and-so told me this on the playground. They would do that when we were in the car by ourselves. So it was me and the child driving to practice, whatever. And I think they just felt more comfortable because they didn't have to look me in the eye. You know, they were typically in the back seat. And so it made it a little less awkward for them. But I had realized that talk time in the car was really important. And so when I saw it in black and white on scripture talk on the go, just tears because I was like, this is the solution that I've been looking for for months and months. These, this is the solution, moms. Like I have to go back and tell my group that I'm teaching. I found the solution. And um it sounds so simple, like like talk, you know, have a healthy dialogue with your kids. And I think a lot of times... We dismiss it and we think, well, we're talking with our kids. They're going to tell us when they're sad. They're going to tell us if they're being bullied, whatever. But I'm talking about like really tough things. Like what if they're struggling with their faith? What if they're struggling with their sexuality? What if they have questioned like awkward things? What if they've seen porn and they don't want to tell you? You know, these things that are happening to our kids, that's what I'm talking about. The tough stuff. Are they going to talk with us when those moments come up? And, um, and that's been the journey. And and I never set out to create a ministry. It's, it's literally been one thing after another, one step, just trying to figure this out. But now I have, I think, looking back on it over the last nine years, you know, there's things I did right and there's things I did wrong. And so that's now what I tell parents, you know, learn from my mistakes. Here's what I've learned, that kind of thing.
1: It's really hard because, you know, when we become parents— we aren't really given a real clear handbook. Yeah, you know the best I've ever seen is in the, in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's a lot of help with counselors and so forth who write books. But you're right that there's a lot of hard stuff, and now we're coming into a world. I mean, even when we were kids, it seems like I was probably a kid earlier than you. <laughs> it seems like our parents even had hard time as we. Entered new worlds and new ventures, and you know, that they didn't, they weren't in. I, I know it's funny, you, you, we watch maybe television programs, and you'll have a child ask a parent a question, and the father will look to the mother, Oh, it's your turn to walk out the room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. we don't want to deal with those hard questions, and yeah. maybe it's because we've not been educated.
2: Well, I think, you know, most of the people I talked to, and and me included, you know, we just didn't talk about that. Mm -hmm. It was just not appropriate to talk about sex as a kid with your parents. That's just not how we grew up. And um, I think back then, though, I was a little bit more shielded. I could be a little bit more bubble wrapped. So, And what I mean by that is, you know, if I had a question about sex, I would maybe ask my friends... I would look it up in the encyclopedia. That is showing my age, Alan, <laughs> right? I would maybe do that, but, but we didn't have Google. So now your kid has a sexualized question, you know? So, so maybe they've heard something about sex at school. If they Google that, they are going to find pornography mm-hmm. videos in high definition. And so now we, we have to become aware as parents we have to be their google we have to become the source the safe place and so what that requires of us as parents is we have to answer their questions we don't want to over expose them we definitely want to do it in age-appropriate terms but we need to be the place that they will they will they feel comfortable saying hey i heard this on the playground can you talk to me about this i don't know what this is and what i have found you know now that i've been in it i mean i was terrified at first i had no idea what i was doing and I, you know, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I went everywhere else but the scriptures. And I and I say that in my presentations when I speak at churches. You know, I, I was Googling online how to parent the digital world. I was looking for parental controls to lock down that phone. You know, I was doing all of that. And all those things are good things to do, but it's not the, the first line of defense. And that was scripture. And I should have had faith to go there first, and I didn't. And what I've learned has just been incredible. I mean, every step of the way, the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me in how I used to respond and how I need to respond. Um, and that has been pivot, pivotal in my parenting to understand the difference. Like, oh, that's how old Mandy, flesh Mandy, used to respond to my kids' questions by sweeping in under the rug. You're not ready. That's too big of a topic. You know, new Mandy is more... Thank you so much for asking me. Like, I'm so proud of you that you feel comfortable coming to me. Let's talk about that. You know, and sometimes we may need to dig into the scripture. Sometimes we may need to talk about other things first before we cover their big question. Um, But now I'm not ignoring it. I'm awake and I'm watching for the teachable moments. And, and you know, one of the things that now that I've been in it so long, I look back and I see what happened in fourth grade, her exposure and, and I literally thank God for it because it's made me become an actual like I'm actually discipling my child in my home. And I, 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 I hate to admit it, but I don't think I would have had she not been exposed as much as she's been. I think I would have just been like, we don't need to talk about that yet. And so it's almost created an urgency. And I, I see this in homes, in Christian homes that become Next Talk families. I see this. They're like becoming better disciples of their kids. So I feel like God is taking this awful curse of overexposure and he's turning it into the blessing. You know, just like we see in Deuteronomy 23, 5. I love that verse. God, God takes the intended curse and he t- turns it into a blessing. That's what we're seeing but we do have to be awakened. We do have to know what's going on. We do have to look for the teachable moments, and we can't be afraid that we're not going to know what to say.
1: And I think it's important, and I think the scriptures um, in a lot of ways tell us this, that the way we bring up our children is the way that the next generations are going to continue, you know, and I think that's really important if we, you know, bring it up in a in a way that you're talking about and teaching them and bringing that scripture in and helping them in that then they become parents and they will reflect on what they were taught and then it the cycle goes down which is wonderful
2: you know we change tomorrow by what we're willing to talk about today that's a quote from one of my books and i i see that all the time you know we all are looking at the world saying it's so broken what do we do And we're, you know, passing laws and and all that stuff is important. All, All of that stuff is important. But at the root of the problem, if we're all raising our kids in our homes the way they need to be raised, the next generation is going to be better. Yeah. And so that's where this whole thing starts out of. That's why you see in our mission and vision statement, what started out as, oh, we just want to keep our kids safe online. Quickly, we realized, oh, my gosh, we're doing way more than that. We're creating open communication and discipleship within our homes, and that's literally going to change our world. Yeah, and uh, we, and we saw that ripple effect, and that got us really excited. Our whole team was like, "Yes, this is you know, this is more than just a cyber parenting ministry. Uh, this has this has a ripple effect that is that is so important and crucial to our world."
1: It's funny, um, as a Bible teacher, when I used to teach high school and junior high years ago, I would. Um, there was a statement I made, which reflects on what you just said. I yeah. said, the decisions you make today will have a definite effect on your tomorrow and future. So I, I totally understand and agree with that. It's just absolute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: And, and I think so many times we, as parents, we, we don't really realize the impact that we have. I mean, our number one job, no matter what your career is, I think your number one job, if you have a kid, is your, is your parenting right now. Um, to keep them safe right now, but also to change the future generations.
1: Well, and I know in, in, in Proverbs 22, it says that uh, your children are a gift of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess the word gift can be translated as heritage. It's a heritage of the Lord. And I think in that, uh, I think it goes on to say, um, there's another scripture that says we train the children, in the ways that are right and good, they'll, they'll not turn from it when they're old. And this is scriptural teaching for how we need to bring up our children. I think you're so right. The children we have are given to us by God to raise. They're not basically ours forever. We're, they're given to us by him to train up in him so that when they become adults, he has them to do the same thing. And it's an ongoing cycle that will promote godliness and holiness throughout um, the whole arena.
2: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, one, one thing that I've learned on this journey is, you know, I, I guess old Mandy would have said, you know, I need to have screen time and no phones in bedrooms or bathrooms. And all of that still applies. Those rules are important, but, but we have to move past the rules. We have to move into the relationship and it's, it's, you know, it's really like our walk with Jesus. You know, Jesus, yes, there are guidelines that he gives us to keep us safe, right? But we, if we're only looking at those rules, then we, we get caught up in wanting to rebel. I mean, that's our human nature, right? We want to run from that. And so as parents, we have to recognize that. So so yes, you know, no phones in bedrooms, no phones in bathrooms, no screens at bedtime. We have those family guidelines. But then we move into that relationship part and talk about why we have those guidelines. Why I'm doing this? Why this is important for you to understand, so that they get that healthy balance, you know, with screens. It's
1: really interesting. There is a family. There is a family in, in Moldova that we visit all the time, and he has uh, his rules are really pretty cool. So the kids are on their phone. They're restricted of what they can do and so forth. But at a certain time at night, it shuts off automatically. He has a program that shuts down the phone so they cannot use it after a certain hour i never heard of such a thing i think it's really cool
2: (laughs) yeah there's all sorts of things that you can do out there i mean i have two teenagers so we're in the sense now of you're self-regulating you know when to turn off kind of thing i want to i'm moving past the rules getting them to self-regulate on their own so when they move out you know and i don't have control to just shut it down they're good but when they're little, you know, things like that are, are great because they, they need to know, okay, this time we're going. As they grow, though, it's more about, okay, I, do you need to do homework first? Do you, they need to make decisions, mm-hmm. right, around their screens that are healthy. And when they don't, that's a conversation and maybe even a consequence, right? If they're, but, but teaching them to self-regulate as they get older, I think, is huge to to kind of be their own regulator of the screens and the time
1: yeah because i know teenagers and i and i and i'm not privy you know um i don't know about younger age i'm sure this is true but i know teenagers that sleep with their phone and it, when it buzzes you know that wakes them up and they're on there chatting you know, texting and, and putting it back under their pillow and going back to sleep and then waking up again all through the night.
2: So this is a conversation because because the American Academy of Pediatrics say, you know, you need to turn screens off 30 minutes before bedtime. And your brain, like this is science, your brain needs that time to decompress from taking in all the information that you're constantly getting from your phone, social media, timelines, that sort of thing. And so that's something we practice in our home. And it's just a conversation. Um, you know, my husband has to have his phone in next to him for work emergencies. So we explain that to our kids, you know, dad's not scrolling in the middle of the night through Instagram. That would not be healthy for our brain, but he does need his phone next to the nightstand in case he has a work emergency. But this is why you don't need that yet. And so we, our kids have always had old fashioned alarm clocks in their room. You know, they don't use their phones for alarm clocks, um, they um for music, you know, if they wanted to listen to music in their room, it was leave your phone out in the hallway and you can Bluetooth it into your room and listen to your music or whatever. So we had those sets of guidelines set up. Now, with my 18 year old, she's getting ready to go to college and be in a dorm with her phone. So at 17, we made the decision. All right. We're going to have her have her phone in her room so she can help figure this out before she moves out. But you know, my fourteen-year-old, no, no phone in bedroom still. (laughs) You know, so again, you got to know your kid, and you got to prep them to leave your house. That you got to have them be prepared. We don't want them walking out at eighteen or whenever they leave and never having social media, never having a phone in their bedroom. But but don't give your five-year-old
1: a phone in their bed.
2: You know what I mean? So like, there's, you've got to make sure that they're age-appropriate what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I like this, and you've already mentioned this uh, just a minute ago. But I like this right on your website. It says, "Cyber na- cyber parenting isn't just about rules and restrictions; mm-hmm. it's about relationships." Now, I'm I'm big on this because I believe the whole idea about uh, the Bible begins with relationship with God. It's not about rules and re- relationship, re- rules and regulations. Let me go on. Says, there is a simple solution, open communication, which you've already mentioned a few times, but the process of achieving it is complicated and time consuming. I think that, I mean, I, I really like the idea about relationship. I think God is all about that. When I look through the Old Testament and I hear everybody talk about it with a bunch of rules and regulations, no, it's about relationship. This is the way God laid it out. We're we're misappropriating that. But I like what you say that it's complicated and time consuming because a lot of parents just kind of want to, you know, blow it off or, or excuse things so they can go on with whatever else they want to do.
2: Well, like me, when I found myself in this predicament nine years ago, I, I wanted an easy solution. I wanted to pay $9.99 a month for a subscription that was going to give me reports on what they were looking at online and that's it. I don't have to do anything else. The problem with that is, and there's lots of problems. I could go into the privacy laws that we have. You're not getting real access to all the things they're accessing because of those privacy laws. I could go into all of that. But but the real problem is, even if we could pay somebody to give us all the access we need to their phones, they know you're monitoring their phone. And if they want to hide something, they're going to use a friend's phone. Like they go to school, they go to youth group, they log into their other account that you don't know about. So you're looking at the Instagram account that's saying John 316, I love Jesus, but they've got another Instagram account that they're logging into only from their friend's phone where all the bad stuff is going down. So they are always going to be able to find ways around to hide things from us digitally if they want to. That's why I realized through this Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 verse and through the conversations with my kids, I realized I have to get to the heart of the child. That's where this true first line of defense is going to come in. And that takes a lot of effort, you know, but what's great about it is... I feel like my kids and I have a solid connection now. You know, I've poured my time and energy. I always tell parents, if you're spending more time researching when how and when to shut down the Wi-Fi versus crawling in bed with your kid and having a conversation, you're doing it wrong. And I'm not saying the Wi-Fi router research isn't important, but what I'm saying is a lot of times we just research, research, research these apps and give me a solution. Use all that energy to pour into your kid. Like, build that relationship. And I say it takes years before, because another thing that I totally messed up was I thought that, you know, cyber parenting, digital parenting, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't really start until they get a phone. I was so, so, so wrong. Because if the solution is the relationship, you're building that at three, four, and five. You're building that through elementary school. Don't take your hands off the wheel thinking, oh, they're young. There's no teachable moments here. There are so many teachable moments. So, for example, one of the things that, you know, with my daughter, I totally missed it and had to really dig in there and try and build the relationship with my son. He was kindergarten at the time we started this. And so I real early was like, I'm doing it different with him. You know, I'm building this relationship early on with him. So one of the things that I would say to him was, if you ever hear a new word or a phrase on the playground or at school or from another kid at the lunch table, whatever, and you don't know what it is, just come home and ask me, like, just come home and ask me. I will never forget one time we were having dinner, chicken to be exact, and um, out of my kindergartner's mouth, he says the F word, like, mom, what does this mean? And he says it, and I, I look at my husband and I I literally Thought chicken was going to come out of his mouth across the dining room table like he didn't even. But but parents, one of my number one things that I say in the book that I've learned, and I, I used to get this so wrong, is avoid crazy parent mode. So in that moment, had I started screaming and saying how awful the F word was, if I would have responded that way, which I had, it shuts down communication we don't realize it, but then they get scared and it's all the drama. And so it's not worth telling mom and dad. So how do you treat those? He was kindergarten and it mattered. It mattered how I responded to that question because now he's 14. And when porn is sent to him and it is regularly, he sees it, right? People are showing it to him or telling him what to go Google when he, he, he tells me because he knows I'm not going to overreact. My first thing is going to be, thank you so much for telling me. I'm so proud of you. That positive reinforcement of always saying, thank you so much for telling me.
1: So let me ask you a question here. In, in my understanding, you know, through counseling classes and all that kind of good stuff, um, it, it seems like it's pretty easy to direct, handle, manage, learn, teach, develop stuff with children up to maybe 9, 10 years old. But then when they become teenagers, what happens when you're starting this when they are 13, 14, 15, and and you haven't had these moments in the past where you've developed this relationship?
2: I get this question a lot. Um, So there's a couple of things that I want to say here. One is there is always hope. With Jesus, there, nothing is impossible here. I have seen literally relationships be restored because there's been this awakening of, oh my gosh, my 15-year-old takes his phone in his bedroom every night. We've never even had any conversations about what he's doing on that phone. And now I need to start talking to him about it. Like, what do I do? Right? And so mm-hmm. I always tell parents, it's important for you to own what you've missed, So what I mean by that is how to start this conversation. What I don't want you to do, parents, if you have an older kid, is say, oh, I listened to this woman, and now we're doing this, this, and this with our phones, because that's going to hurt your relationship with your kid. They're going to be like, what? I don't even do anything wrong. You know, it's going to explode. We don't want that. What you could do is say, I heard this woman, I read this book, I listened to this podcast, whatever, and I didn't realize how many dangers there were online. And before I gave you your phone, I wish we would have created some guidelines or boundaries, just some things to maybe keep you safe. And I'm sorry that I've missed that. So I kind of think we need to do a reset. So and how that looks is first, I need you to tell me some things that are happening online. Have you seen porn? I mean, I'm sure you have because it's readily available on your phone. When you say that to a kid who has a phone and you've never talked about porn to them, it takes down a wall. It makes the kid feel like, oh, okay, I can talk to them about this. Because many, many times kids have phones and they've been exposed and they don't know what to do with it. And so there's a lot of shame that comes with it and then hiding and then secrecy. And we all know how this can spiral really fast. And if they're they're communicating with online strangers, we have a whole elevated risk of sex trafficking. You know, all of the things that can happen with sharing nude photos and finding themselves on a porn site or, you know, all the things that can happen from that. And so just saying to them the word porn. Have you seen porn? I'm sure you have. I'm so sorry I didn't talk to you about that. And then talking about not just saying don't look at porn. Again, we we have to move from the rule to the relationship, right? And so the conversation goes, you know, when when you see porn, you look at people differently. So you may be walking down the hallway at school, and before you just saw a cheerleader or, you know, your friends or whatever. But now... You look at that cheerleader different because of the porn that you watched the night before, and that's not what God has for us. Like that, we want to see that person, their unique gifts and talents, their intelligence, the gifts that they give to the world, the the wonderful personality they have. We don't want to just see a body or an object, and that's what porn does to your brain. And I just I don't want that for you. Like God wants more. Explaining that is going to make them not want to watch porn. Versus. Porn is bad. It's awful. It's of the devil. Turn it off. (laughs) And so we have to get in there and explain the why. This is why I don't want you looking at porn. But here's the thing. If you struggle with it, I love you. I love you the same. Like God still loves you. But let's talk about what it looks like to break that habit because it's just not good for your heart and mind.
1: Yeah, like in my day when I was a child, I came home with a bad word, like an F word. I got Soap, soap, soap. Soap. <laughs> soap them out, you know, and, um, or I got backhanded, you yeah. know, so, so it wasn't, there was no teaching, there was just, you know, bad. that's bad, bam, you know. And it,
2: well, and if that happens today, CPS is getting called, <laughs> that's a no, that's a no-go, right? So, uh, so, and the thing is, kids just have access to everything they want. They could get online and have a stranger pick them up at your house in two minutes. So the right. other thing of this is, you know, I know when, when I grew up, it was, well, if you're not going to live by my rules in my home, get out kind of thing. I mean, I understand that mentality. Like we're Christians here, but but now you kick your kid out, like they can be sex trafficked. The, high, the likelihood that they're going to be sex trafficked is very high. And we need to take that into consideration like our home should be the refuge our mm-hmm. homes should be the love there I, I look at my kids every day and I'm sending them out to school right and I'm thinking they're walking in to porn and gender issues and sexuality and debates and I want my home to be the safe place mm-hmm. so so you know what with if they have questions, if, you know, they have awkward questions, whatever. I want our home to be that place, a place, or, a place where culture of of real conversation can happen in a loving way. But but we're real. We're, we're going to talk about the tough stuff.
1: So next talk. Um, this is an incredible ministry. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so for every Monday, you have a podcast. Yes. Okay? Kim and I. Mm-hmm. You have a counseling. You have counseling available for people. We do. You have events that you schedule out. Yep. You have a video study. So on your website, people can go and get into a study that has videos right there for them. Yep. You have online parenting groups, and uh, you have a monthly newsletter. We do and you go speak
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm taking a little break this summer you know just to regroup and get my kid graduated and move to college but in the fall we've already got a lot of texas events scheduled uh, san antonio new Braunfels. i'm also going to be in georgia virginia we, we speak we, we go um the one of the things that i'm proudest of that we launched just this recently is our counseling program we knew right from the beginning, a lot of these issues we handle are mental health issues and, and, you know, we're moms, we're everybody on our team. None of us have mental health providers in the beginning. And we saw that and people really clicked with our stories because, you know, we're, we're, our kids are getting exposed to porn at the same rate they are. And so they're relating to our stories, our parenting stories, but we miss that mental health component. So early on in the formation of Next Talk, we created an advisory council of mental health professionals. Now we have a mental an LPC who sits on our board, and we also have a whole counseling program. So in the in the Texas, they're licensed in Texas. So this is only available for people in Texas right now. We hope to expand it. But say say a kid comes up to me at an event or a parent and says my kid is suicidal and I'm like we'll get them to a counselor and they're like I can't afford it. Now I can have that kid in counseling the next day and next talk pays for it. So this has been a game changer for us because over the years I have seen the needs and I have seen people not be able to pay for it. And it's always been on our heart, like one day we're going to dream that we can provide free counseling for these kids or, or reduced counseling. Sometimes it's, you know, you pay 10 or $20 copay, we'll pick up the rest kind of thing so that they have a commitment in it as well. Uh, it varies by the counselor we work with. But but um, that's been a dream of ours. And, th- and that came to reality in, in 2021. So that has been phenomenal to see us be able to help kids in that way.
1: So if anybody wants to check out this website, make sure you go there. It's nexttaught.org. Uh go to the about us page. I think that's where you might find you might find all the ministries that take place and uh, they do take donations. <laughs> so you can help them out with donations. And I didn't read though where they can actually help them. There's no volunteer area, is there?
2: We are working on that. Actually, that's why we're taking a break this summer. Our board, we need to hire a couple more people. We are getting inundated with stuff. We have three employees right now getting ready to hire two more. And then we are establishing what those roles look like. And we have some volunteer opportunities available as well. So those are going to be probably rolling out in the fall. how you can help me, how how you can help us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have an incredible board of directors. I mean, it's yes. In fact, I think I know two of them personally. So they're
2: great. They're (laughs) great. And, uh, you know, we have the business perspective to help keep us in check with everything. We've got two great accountants. So if you are going to give donations, you're going to get your 501c3 tax receipt, all that kind of stuff. They manage all of that. So we are, we are blessed for
1: sure. It's interesting. I read this. Uh Next Talk podcast is now on the top 5% over 2 million podcasts, and your video study has been used in 23 countries.
2: I mean, I could only say only God. I, I, we're just moms trying to figure it out,
1: and, yeah. <laughs> and look what God has done. So is this in other languages?
2: It is not. It, well, I know, but... No, it is not right now, but that is something that we've actually been working on, it being translated in different languages.
1: I know that, like on this program here, there are people who can watch the video, and if they're in, you know, the Ukraine, which I don't know if anybody's watching in Ukraine right now, but they can actually click on their language and it comes up as a, you know, subtitle.
2: Yes. Yes. I don't know if you have that. That is something that we've struggled with on our videos. Um, because they're already embedded. I don't know we have a whole person who works on all of that and I don't understand it, but that's something we have been working on. Yes.
1: And, um, so what you really have isn't just a little ministry. You have a whole movement.
2: It didn't start out that way, but, but that's what God is doing. We, we, I, I do feel like that is what God is doing. And, um, it's cool to be a part of. It's overwhelming at times. Uh, there have been many times I've wanted to quit, to quite honestly. I mean, it's hard. It's hard figuring all this stuff out. I had to go back and get a nonprofit certification. I mean, I didn't know how nonprofits worked. You know, there's been a lot of learning that's happened in this process. Um, but God continues to show us that it, that it's making a difference. And so as long as it's making a difference and it matters, we're going to keep going.
1: Excuse me. So, okay, yeah. So I Amir, mean, it's just you know, I'm I'm really amazed at this whole ministry because it's uh it's really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, it's right there in your home, um, and I think it's so important. I know that there there are parents that I know who are afraid to let their children go to other pe- children's houses. You know, not because of anything big or bad, but because of the Internet or what those parents may allow on TV or their computers or whatever. Well, that was me. Yeah,
2: that was me. Um, I, I guess my encouragement to you is, you know, after nine years of focusing on building the culture in our home and really that looking at that as like the first line of defense. I will tell you a lot of fear is gone. And what I mean by that is when I first started, I, I too, wouldn't let my kids have sleepovers, go to a neighbor's house. You know, it was like filling out an application if you wanted to <laughs> spend any kind of time with my kids because I was so paranoid. And that was an awful way to live. I mean, I was ang- anxious about everything. I couldn't sleep. What if this? What if this happens in the school bathroom? You know, all the things. And now after after all this time of pouring into the relationships with my kids, here's my thing. I I sleep great because no matter what they see on a screen, no matter what their friends expose them to, I know they're going to come home and ask me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't shed some tears sometimes about their questions. I mean, I will tell you privately between my husband and I, after the kids go to bed, there are some nights that I'm like, you are never going to believe, honey, what I just had to answer for our kids. And there is a grieving that is happening for sure. You know, it's not all flowers and dandelions that, you know, but I'm not afraid that they're not going to tell me or I, I, I don't have any fear anymore. That, oh my gosh, I have to hide every little thing from them. Now it's like, okay, Satan, you're going to expose them? We're going to talk about it. I'm going to disciple them even more. So I'm going to one-up you. Let's go kind of thing. Because I see that it works. I see that it works. And that's taken away a lot of fear. And quite honestly, it's empowering. Like there are nights when I go to bed and I think, man, Satan tried to take my kid down with that. And I just rocked it. Like we went to scripture. They saw Jesus's character in this. They saw how he loves us. And they've got biblical truth. Satan, take your fiery darts somewhere else, you know? And so it's empowering as a parent to see that this actually
1: works. And I actually, and it is, this may offend some people uh, or bother some people, but I really find what you're saying is where the real power is, opposed to the parent that says, in Jesus' name I command you devil to get out and then leave it alone and walk away.
2: Yeah, I mean... You got to be careful. You got to be careful here because if if you are coming off as strict, like, I know Jesus, you don't, your Satan has taken over your body and you're being crazy. It, It just makes you seem holier than thou. To me, that's not what Jesus was about. You know, the adulterous woman, right? I mean, the law says stone her. Every one of them walked away. He could have stoned her. He was perfect. Right. He says, he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he looks at her and he doesn't stone her. He doesn't condemn her. He just says, go and sin no more. He, he loved first. He protected her first. And then he said, hey, we can't do that. And I, I think that says a lot about our parenting. Like when they when they mess up, when they do something, when they share a nude photo, when they look at porn, when they do something that we are like, oh, love them say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to protect you. We're going to walk through this together. And then we have to say, this is why we can't do this. This is why this is not okay.
1: And even in that situation, even the guy should have been stoned.
2: Where was the guy? (laughs) Exactly. That's a whole other conversation, (laughs) Alan. That's a whole other conversation, but thank you for saying it.
1: (laughs) So let me read the passage. We have a passage here, a scripture we're going to talk about. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read all verses 4 through 9. And verses 6 and 7 are the key verses, but I want to read before and after. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now verse 6, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. You shall teach them diligently uh, to your children and talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. There's your two scriptures and mm-hmm. it goes on. Tie them as uh, uh, symbols on your head, bind them to your foreheads, uh, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So in other words, the, the word here, the commands here are to be part of ingrained in our entire lives, in all of our being, everywhere we go, everything we touch.
2: He didn't say create 10 rules. And if your kids don't live up to it, they're out. That's not what he, you know, that's not what yeah. Moses is saying. Moses is painting a picture for us there of this is a culture. You are talking about Jesus, bringing him into your everyday life. You're talking on the go. You're getting up, you're crawling in bed at night. You are talking about real life stuff and how Jesus applies to it all. And that's the thing. We we just have to tie everything in for them so they can see. Right now on social media, they they get an awful view of what Christians are, that we're hypocritical, we're judgmental, you know, we're hateful. And if we can debunk that for them at home through our actions and how we love them, even when they do mess up, man, it just says something because then they're like, maybe mom does know Jesus. Like, she didn't scream at me. She loved me. And then we talked about it. And then we went to scripture. You know, we, we we need to be the models for Jesus in that in that environment.
1: There's a quote that I have had, and I thought about this, and it says this. Children are great imitators. Mm. So give them something great to imitate.
2: Yeah, you know, this is another quote from my book. We cannot teach our kids to seek Jesus if we're not seeking Jesus. Exactly. And I, I think I struggled with that a little bit. Quite honestly, I mean, I, I had never read Scripture like I did until we had our crisis moment when she was exposed to porn and all these questions started happening. I was digging in Scripture. There was a thirst for it like never before. Because in my mind, I kept thinking, I don't want to lead this little kid astray. I got to know what I believe and why I believe it and where that comes from. And I was digging, you know, and and I think that's the call to us as Christian parents. Like we, we've got to do the hard work, too. We they're going to imitate us. Yeah, they're going to imitate us. If we are constantly screaming, they're going to constantly scream and have attitude, you know. But if we are saying, okay, let me stay calm. Let me dig into scripture right now. They're going to pick that up. They're going to see that behavior. I think that's so important. Yeah. One of the things, if you don't mind, one of the things that I was thinking about when we were going to talk about Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7, Alan, was Um, You know, when Moses was called, you know, that's Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, right? When Moses was called, and I I think it's Exodus where that happens, he says these things that so I relate with as a parent today. He said, but Lord, and I'm summarizing here loosely, I think it's Exodus 4. He says, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know how to say it. I, my, my tongue. you know, I don't know. I'm slow in speech, I think is what he says. And he's basically saying, I'm not equipped for this, Lord. That's how I felt in the fourth grade when God was saying, Mandy, here's the solution. Deuteronomy six, six and seven. Talk about all the things. And I'm like, well, Lord, how do I do that? Like, I don't do I just get out a sex diagram, which is not what he's talking about. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, what is my first step here? And, and that's how I felt. I felt like Moses being called. And I think a lot of parents feel that way. Like I'm willing to talk to my kids, but what do I say? How do I say it? And for parents listening, grandparents, I just want to encourage you, like trust the Holy Spirit. There have been times when I've had a big question come at me from my kids and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to answer this. And I'll tell them, hey, can I have 24 hours before we talk about this? Just because I want to think it through. I want to pray it through. And I will dig into the Word. I will call a mentor. There's never been a time that God's let me down through His Holy Spirit, through through people around me that I trust, through His Word, that I'm able not to go back and have that conversation with my kids. So so don't fear. Don't fear. God's got you
1: in this. Oh, I totally agree. And I think that one of the problems that— Many, many, many people in Christendom, yeah. okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about the whole globe here, have a problem with is going to the Holy Spirit, relying on his strength. I mean, Jesus says he will teach us all things. He will guide us into all truth. So if this is true, if we trust Jesus' word, then we need to trust the Holy Spirit will do exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do.
2: Do we have time for an example of how the holy spirit totally changed my parenting go ahead okay yeah. so my daughter she got her phone she didn't have social media at first and then like six months later or so she earned her first social media platform i always tell parents one social media platform at a time you're teaching them one at a time don't let them download four and then you've got four to, like, that's too much right so it's a step-by-step process so she had earned her first social media platform And one night she came around the corner, had her phone in her hand, eyes wide open. And I knew, I knew in that moment, something big was about to happen. And I had been praying every day, Lord, don't let me miss the teachable moments. And when they happen, tell me what to say, because I don't know how to do this, but I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you to help me create open communication here. So she says, mom, I'm scrolling through Instagram. And these people from church went to a wedding and they posted about it. And it was beautiful pictures. And in their post, it said hashtag wedding. And she said, mom, I clicked that hashtag because I wanted to see prettier pictures because a hashtag is like a file. So she wanted to see more bridesmaid dresses or bridal gowns. So she clicked that. She showed me the screen and she said, mom, this popped up. So let's just say lots of porn, lots of porn everywhere. Really bad. It scarred me. It scarred me. Old Mandy would have literally taken that phone, thrown it in the trash and said, that's it. Satan's playground. We're done. That's what old Mandy would have done for sure. Like my job is to protect you. We're not doing that anymore. New Mandy praying every day, Lord, show me how to create open communication. New Mandy, And I have no idea why I responded this way other than it was the Holy Spirit. I put the phone face down on the, cab, on the, on the counter so my, my son couldn't see if he came in the room. And I look at her in the eye and I say, thank you so much for telling me. Satan wanted you to see that and start clicking and get curious and not tell me. But you didn't. You said, oh, this is something I need to tell mom. And because you told me today, you get a new app. So what do you want? And you get a new app. So let's think about this for me. Because in the moment, I had no idea really what I was doing. I mean, I was just like, okay, Lord, this is how I'm going to respond because you want me to respond. Old Mandy was creating an environment where my kids, if something bad pops up, lie to mom because I'm going to lose the phone or lose the app. She's going to delete it or she's going to throw it away. I was creating an environment telling my kids to lie to me. I had no idea I was doing that. I just thought I was protecting them. New Mandy, though, new Mandy is creating an environment. You tell me, you get more access. It's positive reinforcement, right? Simple concept. The other thing, that night, I got to crawl in bed with her because this was like seventh grade, I think, because I was struggling with processing those images. So I told her that, crawled in bed with her. I said, I'm really struggling with those images I saw. How are you doing? That resulted in probably an hour plus conversation. And I can tell you that conversation has carried over through years and years now of why porn is bad for us. I don't want you to see this on your screen and then get to school and look at people a different way. And so again, it was that moment that I had a chance to respond a different way. And the Holy Spirit totally stopped me and said, no, this is what's going to create open communication in your family this is how you respond. And so trust him. He knows what he's doing. Trust him and don't underestimate that he's not going to give you the tools to do it. Nobody taught me how to do that. I remember texting my friends afterwards saying, did I read this somewhere? And they're like, no, write that down. That's going in your book. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm like, all right. So that's in my book.
1: (laughs) I have another, that that is an amazing story. Yeah. It really is. I have another uh, quote here I want to read. Okay. It says, when raising godly kids, use the word of God and don't try to teach your children without it. God knows children and he knows what you need to do to bring them up Right. Parents are either going to prepare their children to follow Jesus or to follow the world.
2: Mm, that'll preach right there. That'll preach. So that's the thing. The world has more access to, to your kids than ever before. Ever. Mm-hmm. And it, all of these voices and opinions are coming at your kid. And if you're not speaking into it, they are. So that also kind of motivated me to say, you know what? I'm not going to shy away from it now because I know they have access. And again, it's that motivating of it actually made me a better, like a discipler in my home because I was aware that the world had my kids' attention and I had to fight for it. And I I cannot imagine doing this journey without scripture. I cannot because in the world today, everything goes. There's no moral compass and for us as Christians, you know, we always get to say, but but God's word, that's what keeps us centered. So what does God say? Is it right or is it wrong? And sometimes you're going to, your kids will struggle with what God's word says. The why, why does God make that restriction? Why does God say that we can't do that? And one of the things that I always say to my kids is, hey, you both have Snapchat now, you're teenagers. Do you remember when you wanted Snapchat in third grade and I said, no, because I'm your mom and I wanted to protect you. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that's God. He knows better than us. He doesn't hate you. I, I didn't hate you and wanted to make your life miserable. I wasn't setting up at night saying, yes, no Snapchat in third grade. I want to, you know, keep them out from all. But it was a protection thing. Their, their little minds aren't ready for that yet. I know what's on those that on Snapchat. I don't your mind's not ready for that. It was a protection thing. And sometimes when we struggle with God's restrictions or what he says is right and true, wrestle with that. Let your kids wrestle with that. I think that's healthy, actually, because then it creates an authentic faith versus just, okay, I believe what mom and dad believe. Check, check, check. We don't want that. We don't want to raise robotic Christians. We want we want kids who who may struggle with God. Why? Why isn't this okay? Why can't I do this? We wrestle with that. Wrestle with the Holy Spirit. Let that be their journey. That's healthy for them.
1: Well, and if they learn that they have these questions, if they learn that they can go to Scripture and, and search it, then they've developed something that will follow them the rest of their life. I mean, that's how I, when I ask questions, I came off the street, and I asked all these questions about why this, why that, why this, why that. And I got some pretty bad answers. Yeah. Well, those bad answers drew me to look it up and find out that, oh, well, the scripture says this not what they told me. So then I started really looking at scripture more. And then as I became a, a Bible teacher and professor, I started to say, well, you know, what we're saying here, what you've heard is interpretation that may not be correct biblically. Mm-hmm. We need to look at the word as it says it and follow the teaching. And so it brought me a whole different idea of how to work and follow the, the, the teaching itself.
2: And what if we could do that with our kids from early on
1: Yeah, in,
2: in little things? And then when <laughs> big things come, it's already standard operating procedure.
1: Yeah. Well, what
2: does God's word say? And this is the moral compass and God knows better than we do kind of yeah. mentality.
1: So if you're um, really interested in this, which any parent should be, go to nexttalk.org. You can actually um, go to the video studies and go through them yourselves. You, there's also the um, podcasts that are on the um, website themselves. This is really cool. And also, I believe you can go to the um, where the directors are and go to your page. It doesn't don't you have your email there?
2: I do. I do. Mandy, you you yeah. may
1: love me or hate me for this. No. But, but if you have a question for Mandy, yeah. you know, her email is right there. If you don't find it there, you'll find it on our, our website under guests. And it's sitting right there. Ask her whatever you need to ask her. And um, and I'm sure she'll be glad. I mean, she has this motivation to, to make it work. Uh, do you sell your books on your website?
2: They are on Amazon.
1: They're on Amazon. The easiest
2: way to get them is on Amazon.
1: So uh, Mandy Majors, go to uh, Amazon, put in the words or name Mandy Majors book, and you should come up with these two books. Are you going to write any more soon? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs>
2: Waiting on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I don't well, know.
1: <laughs> to have two award-winning books, it, it probably says you probably need to write more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know.
2: I don't know, Alan. See, the, see what the Holy Spirit says to me. I don't know.
1: Well, I'm definitely going to read these, and I'll probably pass them on, and, and I'll probably encourage there are people that I know that are struggling with this issue, and I, and I think that's why it's a, a big thing with me that um, there are parents out there that really struggle with this. So, but it's so, it's been so nice having you.
2: Thank you. I so. appreciate it so much. Respect you. What a great mentor, biblical teacher. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, I, 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 I'm i honored. So thank you uh, for everyone joining us on the Believer's Journey and everybody have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Aloha